Ashton Kutcher did an amazing job portraying Steve Jobs. Uh, what did I, an amazing job plan for <laughs> not jobs <laughs> this is going to be really confusing <laughs> he did amazingly well portraying steve jobs now which one are you again um i'm i'm uh, i'm really man <laughs> this is episode 57 of the movie bite podcast where we discuss praise lament or lampoon movies tv shows and more Today is Wednesday, August 21st, 2013. I am your host, TJ, and here with me, back in the ring again, is Joe Darnell. How are hey! You? Hey, Joe, how's it going? Is this the right movie, The Ring? Is this Barnum I, and Bailey's podcast? Sure, I don't know. I, mean, I know you're out of practice on these sorts of things, Joe, but I try to spice it up and keep it interesting. So, Man, is this what it feels like to come back and come back up for air? I've been wow. down underwater in the deep water for way too long. I don't know. Is it is it what it feels like? I wouldn't know what it feels like since I never quit. <clears throat> fresh air, fresh stagnant air. I do. Mm. I do have a song for you to uh, help you come back with, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said you were back in the ring again. Yes. How's that working for you? Is that helping? I, uh, what? I'm ready to I'm ready to punch someone's lights out. <laughs> have you seen the um have you seen the uh, thing where you, the video for John Syracuse, you know, he does his reviews every year of OS10. This is so such inside baseball uh, for <laughs> for a movie podcast. But he does these reviews of OS10 every year. And have you seen the video set to the Rocky music where the guy is preparing for the review and he's like exercising his fingers and he's holding up his iPad? No. Oh my, remind me to send that to you. <laughs> uh, uh, put it in the show notes, please. Well, folks, Joe is <laughs> back, uh, but not not permanently, unfortunately. But he's back for this episode uh, to help me out. Since Chad, he's sort of left me kind of hanging. He's like got school or something. I don't know. So, um, you know, he's he's here to help me out of a jam because I didn't know who else I was going to get. I got I got Fizz last week, and I don't know if you heard if you've been keeping up with the show or not, Joe. But mm. I have been. I listened to every minute. Good, good, good. Well, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that. Are, are you enjoying it? Are we doing a good job? Uh, I mean, it's not as good as it would be if you were. Well, us, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, hmm. <laughs> wow, I should have prepared some notes. Uh oh. Should <laughs> 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 I really got like the um, uh, the people that you put on the air with you, TJ? They are something else. Good. And good, good. Uh, you are really cool, and, and so I keep listening. For those of you who may be new listeners, I mean, we've we've really just been we sort of just dove right in. But Joe, I, I don't know if we have any new listeners or not. But I, uh, Joe, <laughs> no, only recycled ones. Yeah, or the yeah. <laughs> Joe used to be on the podcast all the time, like he was my co-host, and then he abandoned me. He left me behind, like just he he had to move on to greener pastures, I guess. Uh, maniacal so, laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so he's back to help me out with, while Chad is gone. So I thought we would dive in, and you know, it's interesting. We normally do a segment here called Trailer Bite, which we're going to do, but we don't have as many trailers as we normally have, which I suppose that's good, but it's just like a little bit more of a dearth of trailers. So, <sighs> eh, that's you know. A, I guess, no, no, it's not sad. I guess we have too many movies. As it, it's enough as it is. We, we, we got all the DVDs coming out. It's time to go back to watch the, you know, Star Trek Into Darkness at home. Yes, which I have not had a chance to do, but maybe if I get done with this podcast in time tonight and get it posted and prepare a few articles for tomorrow, you know, 
Maybe I'll be able to watch it tonight. I really want to it, because I, I love Star Trek Into Darkness quite a bit. Um, it's yeah. not my favorite Star Trek movie. And you never um, know. You may discover a trailer or two on one of your DVDs. It's possible. Although this is digital download, so, you know. Oh. Yeah. It's not available on uh, DVD or Blu-ray yet, which is interesting. They went digital download first. So for those of you who didn't know, huh. Star Trek Into Darkness is now available via iTunes, Amazon, uh, Video On Demand services. Voodoo, I think, is it's on. I never pay attention to Voodoo, but um, I will make a note here to myself to try to find a link and put that in the show notes as well. I am ready to watch that movie again. Yeah, it was a pretty good movie. Mm, yes. Well, I see you're typing. So while you're at it, I wanted to bring up, um, well, nothing until you like play our little soundbite. So you have to play our soundbite before I can talk about trailers. That's right. Technically, we haven't started yet. All right. This is going to start trailer bite. In a world. In a world. 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 In a world. In a world. In a world. That's right. Add, my, uh, can we? Can we? You add that to the track. Um. Uh. I'll. Um. In a world. No. There. You got it. Nice and clean. <laughs> okay. Um. So this week in trailers, there's only three. We have closed circuit, a trailer, and several clips. Squirrels trailer featuring what else? <laughs> Killer squirrels, and a longer trailer for the counselor. So let's talk about closed circuit first, shall we, Joe? Let's please. Let's stay away, away from squirrel. <laughs> okay, yes. Closed circuit. Not to be confused with short circuit. No, not at all. Not at all. This is a uh, this is a sp- suspenseful thriller um, spy mystery. Thirtieth, ten forty three. Bright sunny day. Innocent people. That's a from the west Yes, it is. Entrance. Hey, mate, you can't park here. That's the rampant extra. So this actually looks pretty interesting to me, but I think you were, you were distracted by the clip I was playing. So go ahead, Joe. No, no, I was just going to say, you know, this looks like an interesting film. I, I didn't expect it to be. Eric Bana has been often cast in the lead role of, unfortunately, like B-minus films. And usually I like his performances. I always feel good going into his films. And I come away a little bit disappointed. But this trailer actually does impress it looks like it's going to be uh, a fun popcorn thriller. Yeah, and and I think there might even be a little more story to it than just a uh, you know like your because I, I guess when I think of a popcorn thriller, I don't have super high thoughts, and this this looks like it'll be a little bit decent, you know. Um, Agreed. It's just that something about the level to which they describe the privacy issue and used by the government means that. I think that they're going to be forced to keep it rather shallow, like introduce problems, but then not actually try to answer them. They're going to get wound up into the action, which we see very little of. They make it very mysterious in this trailer. It looks like it was trying to focus on the character developments. And I appreciated that, that this, this film feels almost like it's a pilot of a new TV show, but in a good way. Like this is something on Showtime or AMC. That's my opinion anyway. I, I'm impressed by this trailer. It feels like it's not trying to be more than it is. And it's certainly aiming to entertain while being relevant for our times. You want yeah. to talk about that side of the coin a little bit more? Yeah, you, I mean, you have I, an opinion about this stuff, of course, more than I would. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a story to tell here. And I think that it definitely, uh, I think it strikes an interesting chord with people because there's a lot of paranoia about all this um, about the privacy issues and the closed caption video aspect that they're they're really like 
everything, you know, obviously closed circuit is the name of the film and everything's being recorded and every minute's being recorded. And I, I'm not quite sure what their angle is there other than that, like, hey, this is pe- this is on people's minds. Let's play it up. But so I think that for sure that that that's an interesting aspect of the film. And I certainly I certainly as a uh, a card carrying uh, libertarian ish person have some thoughts on whether the you know, whether all this is you know proper, especially when it's the government doing the spying and the recording of, of the of the people. So I think that there's definitely an interesting aspect there. I'm not sure how much that will come into play. Huh. But um, yeah, and to note, people, this isn't just talking about the broad spectrum of privacy issues on the internet. This is specifically addressing issues of video cameras used in public places that wind up being used against the public people. Right. Right. Yes. Like yes. that's that's the suggestion. Okay. Yes. And ob- and you know, in theory, those cameras are all there in the first place to be utilized for security purposes. And now they're talking about terrorists, and so the assumption goes. That these um, men representing the powers that be for MI5 are trying to use um, security cameras for solving a terrorist attack, unless there's something more to it than what's given in the trailer. But it seems like they find this to be a morally gray area, and I'm not sure exactly why, because after all, these are security cameras, and they are the law enforcement, so I don't understand why this is supposed to be ambiguous. Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I don't know exactly what their angle is, but it's certainly interesting. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned uh, that the film stars Eric Bana, which um, and you, you, I think you even mentioned like that he likes yeah, yeah. tends to do B movies. Well, no, he has he he's he's always targeting like good roles in good films or films that are supposed to wind up being good films, but then he some somehow he winds up in these parts that don't really uh, use him very well. Like you know, for instance, he was. The original uh, Hulk in the first Hulk movie I was about that Marvel made a few years ago. <clears throat> yeah, that was in 2003. And then he um, was in it, terrible, Hannah terrible in movie. 2011. And yeah, and Hannah in 2011, kind of the same thing. It was a spy action thriller, independent, you know, sort of uh, filmmaker style. And it really looked like it could have been something. But then you get there and you're watching this film, and frankly, you don't want to eat your popcorn. It's just a gross film. And then uh, Eric Bana, you know, dies at the end which is just tragic so it wasn't very fun thanks for spoiling it not that i'll ever see it yeah uh the other film of course the other big film that that uh everybody will know that that eric banna has been in is uh, star trek he was nero but not everybody would know that because he looked a little bit alienish yeah, but i'm just saying everybody will know the film that he's been that, that he was in star trek oh, i mean right. who, who hasn't at least heard of the film the jj <laughs> reboot of star trek uh shoot uh i don't know yeah uh, so. is that thing out yet <laughs> whatever dude and then um yeah so you you made me lose my train of thought i had somewhere i was going so anyway the film also stars uh rebecca hall jim broadbent and julie styles so julie styles you may remember from the uh born series and every other british movie made in like the past 10 years why she's Brit- awesome really yeah um, she's in everything she's not british though she isn't no, Julie Stiles, she's American as far as I know. Nationality uh, American. You're thinking of Rebecca Hall, maybe, uh, although I haven't seen her in anything myself. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Julia Stiles is in a lot of British films, British-related films. I don't mm, know why interesting. she is. Yeah, for, I, I said Julie. It's Julia. You're right, Julia Stiles. Anyway, yeah, she, she was in the Bourne series, so we should move on. Should we? Yes, let's talk about these here squirrels. We have to. We have to. I mean, because this is so amazing. Like, who wouldn't want to talk about 
squirrels. And, and but the thing is, if you look them up on IMDb, you're not going to find this movie about Play the squirrels. I don't know how like how broad this film is going to be or whatever. I just it was so hilariously bad. I had to post it. Horrible. Okay, so this little girl is going to try to feed this squirrel who's strangely not that afraid of these people. Hey, you're rhyming. I am. You did. I didn't. Mean this little to. girl is I, not I was, afraid of the squirrel. I was a poet and I didn't know it. Yes. So she's walking up. She's walking up. To the squirrels. This is theater of the mind. She's and I hear out. I hear squirrely sounds. Oh yes, oh yes. Yeah, there we go. This is a really loud squirrel. TJ, what are you eating? <laughs> One wonders, don't they? I mean, I, I I'm just so riveted. I can't turn away. Right? She's holding the thing out. The squirrel is about to do something. <laughs> Okay, so that, that that's I mean, horrible. The squirrel just just attacked the little girl. I mean, it looks it, <laughs> it's just terrible. <laughs> words fail me. I, I don't have any words for how horrible this really looks. I mean, yeah. and I don't mean horrible in that. Oh my goodness, that little girl just got attacked by a squirrel. I mean horrible in who came up with this thing? This is stupid. Uh, this is like our generation's acrophobia or uh, arachnophobia. I get them all mixed up. But then there was also the other one, the other horrible movie from the 80s called like Bees. And it was bees attacking a family of, on a farm. And uh, Mikey Thistle in the comments mentioned, he says, it looks like I have another one to choose between this and Sharknado our, for our annual Halloween viewing. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Mm. It, it's, ah, oh, I can't believe this is, a film and like they animated that squirrel they totally animated all of the squirrels in this movie and they look pretty well done but it's like i cannot believe they're animating these squirrels to do this yeah it's a little weird and it's not on imdb is it not with that oh you mentioned that it's not on imdb uh what the squirrel how do you spell squirrels there's two r's yeah yeah uh really okay that's why i can't find it S Q U I R R E L S. Plural. Yeah. Plural. There's more than one squirrel. Uh, there's squirrels 2012. But this is 2013. There's no information on that at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, uh, you're right. It's not on here. That That's kind of odd. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't it looks like I don't an even, April Fool's joke. I don't even remember where I found it. <laughs> So maybe it is April Fool's joke. <laughs> I just, I came across it. No, I, I mean, cause like, there's lots of movie websites that I check and I like, I came across it and I'm like, I can't not post this. It's so bad. I'm looking forward to the honest trailers for this film. <laughs> yes, for sure. If for we sure. can get anything out of this film, it, it could be worth it for that. Yeah, so let's talk about... Two, 2,024 oh. views. Man. Yeah, moving on from that bad one. We have one more trailer to talk about, and this is for uh, The Counselor. Everything else is just waiting to love you. Michael Fesspin. Serious problems. I will set it up. 625 kilos. We're probably looking at 20 million. I know why I'm in it. Do you? It's a nice ring. Want to know how much it's worth? Yes. I always thought a law degree was a license to steal, but you hadn't really capitalized on it. So this looks like a little bit kind of a different movie for Ridley Scott, or maybe I just don't know Ridley Scott that well. Yeah, don't know him well. Okay. I don't know, but it just seems a little weird. Like, I I guess I'm I'm used to thinking of him in terms of Gladiator and, and stuff like that. A quirky man 
honest man winds up in a drug cartel and gets burned by them and it looks like he, they're going to come try to kill him. And I, I don't think he's supposed to be an honest man, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, it looks like he's just in, entering into, you know, dishonest manhood. Yeah. That, 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 that could be true. This is his first yeah. kind of foray into the dishonest it, it's, my, it's Michael Bass Fassbender looking like a very grim young Dick Van Dyke. And he's, you know, trying to wield some deals with some very powerful drug dealers and it backfires. Yeah. It kind of looks like it could have been inspired by Breaking Bad, but I've, it, I've read that somewhere. I've never seen Breaking Bad, so I can't speak to that. But I am you, knee deep into second season. As I say, you recently did a podcast on Breaking Bad with Mike and uh, with, with yeah. Michael and uh, Eric. So the difference between this film and that series is that this looks like it pertains to very well-to-do drug lords at the top of their game in an inner city with a regular guy who gets caught up with their schemes. Whereas with Breaking Bad, you're talking about, you know, Albuquerque and nobody lives there. And in Podunkville, there's practically no uh, drug rackets to speak of. But for the ones that are there, they're duking it out. And this high school teacher winds up trying to rip them off and take over their business. Uh, So, yeah, but in terms of character development and analysis and the thriller quality it looks like there's a lot going on here in similarity so i think if you like breaking bad you'll like this movie and i do so i'll probably like this movie the the only similarity with something else that i've seen that i could draw was that this trailer shows off that definitely there's going to be a lot of sex and drugs and violence i mean very very violent and the last film i saw dealing with sex drugs and violence was killing them softly and i hated that so i hope this is not like that Mm, yeah, Brad Pitt does look like he's putting on a very similar character from that film. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. But you know, Ridley Scott, I you know, the, the, I can't say I've seen a lot of his films, but what films I've seen of his, I've liked. So I suppose I'm willing to give this a chance. I just I haven't seen anything that normally would make me interested in this necessarily. Well, that's not entirely true. I think the trailers have looked somewhat interesting, but like they haven't really even told me until recently what this film was about, and I'm still not sure I know exactly what the the point is so and i find it interesting they call it the counselor i know that's his role and everything right the character's like job but i have to wonder if that's actually going to play a part in the story because it seems awfully misleading like if breaking bad had been named the teacher because for the most part the guy doesn't teach at all in the (laughs) entire series right that does seem misleading for sure um for sure i i do want a payoff there if there's a payoff then the film might just get a star for that payoff. Okay. Well, uh, you've complained, Joe. I know that this is how I know you listen to the podcast. You complain that there, we don't have good a good transition out of the trailer bite segment. And so this is your warning that we're transitioning away from that. Um, I don't have any sound clips or any sound bites to play. I'm just moving on. <laughs> so let's, let's, okay. let's talk about Mark Wahlberg. Uh, who, Thank you, sir. What? That was a public surface announcement. Yeah, exactly. P- PSA. Uh, Mark Wahlberg would like to play Iron Man. Would you like to see him play Iron Man? Ah, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll forgive Marky Mark for that comment in that video. But, but do you want to see him play Iron Man? No, no. It's so wrong. No. Isn't it? Like he's not right for that character whatsoever. <sighs> he's, he's like five foot nothing. And <laughs> yeah, he is well built, but did you ever see The Departed? I can't say that I have. It's his best 
role, Mark can Mark can act, and he, sure. he nails it in that film. He, he doesn't normally put on quite the bravado or sensational performance like he did in that film. Just a fantastically quirky guy in that film. Just, uh, just oh man, you don't like him. You just don't like him. And then there's an awesome twist. And then you have to like cheer for him. Mm. But totally unexpected role for Mark. So uh, yeah, but apart from that, I, there's nothing really that stands out that is superhero material. He'd have to stand on a stool to kiss pepper pots. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to see this at all. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. But, you know, most of these, you know, comments that actors make in a video online don't wind up amounting to anything anyway. No, you're right. You're right. Well, but you know what I would like to see, Joe? I would oh. like to see a uh, movie focusing on Obi-Wan Kenobi with Ewan McGregor of starring in that film. Really? I would. I really would. And, and here's the thing. Um, and this with is, lightsabers? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I would think any Star Wars film would have to feature lightsabers in some way. Uh, here, here's the thing. This is uh, Ewan McGregor voiced his um, interest in doing that. First of all, I don't know how they would do that. Like, uh, because we've told all the story that can be told, I think, uh, or that, that should, should, should and shouldn't be told in regards to, uh, um, uh, leading up to the sequels, right? Like, what are you going to do? You're going to have, you're going to focus on Obi-Wan Kenobi in the desert of Tatooine. I, I, no, 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 I don't no, think no. so. And what do you, and what do you, what do you have before that? Well, you've told all that. I mean, we, we picked up Obi-Wan when he was a teenager as an apprentice. We saw him training Darth Vader. We saw him in the Clone Wars. And then uh, he went to Tatooine. And then we saw him emerge from retirement on Tatooine as Sir Alec Guinness long enough to get Luke started down the path of the Force. And then he died, and now he's a Force ghost. So well, how, here's how, an idea. How, how could you have a film? So, so that's the first point. Like, I don't know how you could do it, but I, I have am, an idea. Okay, hang on. I am interested in in um Ewan McGregor being Obi-Wan some more because that's like the only thing I ever liked about the uh, prequels is Obi as Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan. Really? Oh. Yeah. Well, yes, Ewan McGregor makes a fantastic Obi-Wan and here's what I think. They we just need to uh, schedule a meeting with JJ and we will tell him Let's make it happen. Got, yeah, and you got you got to get Ewan in here. And here's what we want to do. Uh let's do everything the fans always wanted. We don't need to follow the storyline of the Skywalkers. What we need to do is go back and have a, a Obi-Wan Kenobi origin story. And it starts with his boyhood, and we see some flashbacks with a young Yoda Joe? with hair. Joe? What? No. And then it somehow correlates to things that go on with uh, Obi-Wan on Tatooine. So right after he walks away at the end of... What is that film called? Revenge of the Sith. Then all of a sudden, like that's where this film starts. He's just walked away on the you know Tatooine, and then all of a sudden, that's where this film starts. And it's Obi Wan who is intersected by some droid or person who says, "Come with me. You've got to go. You know, save your bro- long lost sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, cousins, <sighs> nephew." And then they go off in this wild adventure, and they wind up explaining the whole blue ghost thing. 
explain what happened to Qui-Gon, why Yoda heard his voice in meditation, why does Yoda appear as a ghost later, but Qui-Gon never did, things like that. And then it explains how <laughs> Obi-Wan got this technique to become a blue ghost after he died, because otherwise we really don't know, except that we assume that Yoda told him at some point. But when did Yoda have the time to tell him? No, that never happened, people. <laughs> George Lucas made that up. I've changed my mind. I don't want this. Father, you're just a hater. (laughs) Sorry. No. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, not the way you're describing it. I don't want it. I guess the reason I'm interested, though, like, is, is just because I did like, like, like it was like the only thing I really liked about the prequels was Obi-Wan. I didn't like. No, no. In all seriousness, I agree with you. Yeah. He looks the part. He acts the part. He has the finesse. He, he seemed, um, you know, masculine enough. He seemed like actually invested in heroism. He, he was, um, he was like the sheriff in town. And then what happens is we obviously see how, uh, he's taken off guard and that just, it it seems like Obi-Wan deserved to, uh, have more of an interconnected role in the prequels than he did emotionally like we we see him ultimately not very emotional and i was hoping that we would see him get to you know more inside of his psyche that we could rather than just allowing him to be a cowboy uh because when we see alec guinness alec guinness is able to portray so much with so little and we get the impression that he has had a lifetime of not just wild adventures but like crazy the crazy things that he has seen and the crazy things that he knows he knows more than everybody else in the galaxy combined and then he winds up having to train this little you know boy luke on tatooine and it, it, like it, it's it's ironic to him i like i like old alec guinness uh obi-wan kenobi could they bring him back from the dead i'm afraid not i'm afraid that would be quite impossible um they can do anything after they made tron legacy <laughs> Yeah, but at least the actor was still alive. Oh, good point. Uh, dang it. All right, one more thing before we move into our primary reviews. And we have here an honest trailer. I love these things so much. Prepare for the all-new sequel to the franchise reboot. <laughs> Based on the sequel to the original franchise, Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, did someone forget a colon? <laughs> I He's love fantastic. that. <laughs> I love that. Um, my favorite line from this, though, is the Enterprise survives more hits than it took in the entire original series. <laughs> I'm going to have that honest trailer's awesome, you know, voiceover guy like you know voice over my eulogy or something i don't know something yeah did you watch this yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's great it is it's awesome even though i really don't agree with all the assessments it's all in good fun right i mean that's what they're doing (laughs) and and some of it though is is surprisingly hits close to home you know because it's so true (laughs) yes (laughs) somebody in the comments said that uh did they actually get that animation for from hishi for this honest trailer video or which which one that, well, you know how they show uh, young Spock and old Spock talking to each other. From oh yeah, I'm sure. That, I'm pretty sure they animated it for this film for this trailer. Okay, I didn't realize that the guys from Honest Trailers and Hishi were connected. Uh, yeah, I believe they are. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, could, I could be. I could be wrong. But um, okay. th- this guy in the comments says, uh, "I hear the next movie will be ninety percent lens flares." <laughs> <laughs> I have to say though, this film, Star Trek Into Darkness, did feel like it had less lens flares to me. But it I, did. It did. I, I didn't feel like it had more. Yeah. No. But but it's a that thing. was like, dishonest. That was from the dishonest film trailers, and it got in here. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It's, it's highly recommended. You should watch it. Of course, it helps if you've seen the film. Yeah, you should see the film first. You really should. Now it's on home entertainment. Joe, I know that you've been dying to talk about this. You've been waiting, and you were like excited to do this. Oh, uh, yes. this episode with me because you're like, oh, we should we got because I hadn't even thought about doing jobs yet because I was going to do it in a separate episode. You're like, no, when you have me on, we have to do jobs, or I'm not coming mm-hmm. on the show. I refuse. Right. This is what you told me. You told me I refuse to be on the show. I would unless, tear up my contract. That's right. Unless you come in and off your high horse and review jobs with me we have to talk about jobs so i said all right and i've already taught i've already told the people we're going to talk about percy jackson sea of monsters so we'll have to do two films this week and i'm also traveling which means that i don't know when i'm going to see this thing you are on the you are on the road right now it's crazy i don't know how you keep it so quiet in your van there (laughs) no i'm not but i you know it wouldn't be out of the question i suppose no no it happens all the time we just (laughs) never told anybody all right. Before we before we start talking about jobs, though, we, I, I do want to mention that uh, Steve Wozniak has voiced his disapproval. He does now, not. if you don't know people, Steve Wozniak is the guy who originally knew the very nerdy tech stuff that started Apple with Steve Jobs in Jobs right. Family he Garage. He was essentially a co-founder or one yeah. of the founding partners or members or like he was he was there working on the stuff. Like Steve Jobs, he's not really a hardware guy and he's not really a software guy. Steve Jobs is the vision guy, right? Yeah. Steve Wozniak though made the camp the, made things work, made it happen in the early days of the company. And mm-hmm. he has voiced his disapproval. He's he, he has in the past too, just from the clips that have been released, of the film saying they're getting he voices it his disapproval wrong. more often than his approval. And, I mean, yeah, and that's true in general for him too. Yeah, I feel yeah. like he's become a grumpy old man. Yeah. So I, I'm um, sure he's a jolly guy if you actually got some time. To, well, yeah, you know, I, I say grumpy old man. Uh, he he seems jolly, but yet he disapproves of everything. I guess is what I'm trying right. to say. Like, did you notice in the last Apple keynote? Um, oh, you know, this year when they were announcing new products, that they actually took some jabs at Steve Wozniak. No, and I didn't. Wozniak was there, and they showed his reaction in the audience. Well, well, remind me, I remember. I don't. I don't me. remember specifically what it was they poked fun at, but they 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 got onto him for something, and he seemed a little surprised that they were even remarking about it. Yeah, and this is this is such an. Aside. It was all good fun. This is such an aside, but I really loved the last Apple keynote. They really had a lot of fun. They they were very comfortable finally without Steve Jobs. I mean, before it just seemed like drudgery to them, like they're going through the motions or something. But yeah, anyway. Agreed. Anyway, as an as an Apple guy, you know, I don't get to talk I don't have a podcast about Apple stuff, so I have to talk about it once in a while. Yeah, but this 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 episode only of Movie Bite from this point on is being taken over to be called Apple Bite. <laughs> okay. Okay, well whatever you say. Um so this film, uh titled Jobs, opened in theaters on August the sixteenth. It had a budget of twelve million and it only opened to six point seven million. A little disappointing. The total worldwide gross thus far is eight million. So it still has a little ways to go to catch up to its production budget, much less all the money they've spent marketing it. And of course that's gross, not net, so that's theater cuts will also they gotta get way above that in order to make it work monetarily. Yeah. And they'll probably make it in the long run with mm, home entertainment, you think? but not in theaters. You think? No, I, well, okay. You said home entertainment. Maybe I'm not so sure. 
it's certainly not going to make it in theaters. Like it's it's I mean it's a for, for one it's a biopic, and people just don't care. And and two, You're it's, right. it's you know people are not liking it that well. Uh, and not enough of the right people are giving it a chance yet. You and know, I, I certainly understand the complaints I've been hearing. Even having seen the film and having enjoyed it, I certainly understand. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes on the critical acclaim says an ambitious but skin deep portrait of an influential complex figure. Jobs often has the feel of an over sentimentalized made for TV biopic. See, I don't think that, I mean, that's actually one of the few times I've ever read a summary from their site and felt like I disagreed. I wouldn't call it a skin deep portrait. Uh, see, well, like, okay. What, I, I, what I think, is something that's deeper than what they expressed? What what do they want? Maybe I think they might be trying to express some of my frustration with the film, which is that I feel like they really missed some opportunity to dive deeper into parts of Steve's career and life yeah. that we don't know much about. That's and, a problem. Is that they cannot even reveal that stuff without you know crossing over his own privacy? It's not like he was an actor who wore his entire okay, life on well, his sleeve. But 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 I mean. I'm, why would any of his other parts of his life that we that we know exist be any different from the other parts of his life that we do know about? Like, right. It's well, just like I people, mean, we know about the things he's done that uh, were good or bad that were I, public, okay. but we don't know much about him and his own psyche. It's like he never really – it's not like he had visitation with a counselor every weekend and then yeah, yeah, said, yeah. yeah, sure, whatever I tell you here, make it public and put it in my biography. You know, I'm obviously not talking about that, though. private man. Here's what I'm talking about. We know not – we don't know a lot about his days at Next Computer. He founded a new company after uh, he got – ousted from apple and he went and did next computer and this film i think that the the, the next is mentioned once and it's all of 12 seconds in the film that he is over at next and then all of a sudden he's back at apple i mean and and why didn't we get to see the iconic moment when jobs took a group of executives and visited xerox park i I don't understand like that it that is the foundation of modern computing. That's why we have modern computers as they are is because Steve Jobs visited Xerox Park and saw the user interface and he said, that's the future of computing. We have to do that. Okay, that is foundational to modern computing. And they did, it wasn't even mentioned or in the movie at all. It's just like, oh, by the way, Apple uses a graphical user interface and Steve is very adamant about these sorts of things. And that, I mean, it's like, you you missed a huge opportunity, huge, huge. <clears throat> well, that's the wrap, people. We're all done. Uh, we covered all the bases. That's your review. But do you disagree? Um. Well, I, I want to disagree, but I want to get to that when we get to the dislikes. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just I, I I'm already letting out a little bit of uh, ah, stuff. We gotta here. get we gotta get this show back into the editing room. Uh, okay, directed by Joshua Michael Stern. Have you ever seen anything he's done before? I have not. Doesn't ring any bells. Yeah. Uh, written by Matt Whiteley, I guess. Starring Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs, Josh Gad as Waz, uh, Jermo Mer- Mulroney as Mike Markula, Lucas Haas as Daniel Kotke, Matthew Modine as John Scully, J.K. Simmons as Arthur Rock. Music by John Debney. And for the record, going back to the director, uh, yeah, I just looked him up on IMDb, and he's made other films, but... You know, TV, TV, a screenplay, uh, another one was written by, and then everything that he's directed besides this one, I've never heard of. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, interesting, because I thought he did okay as far as its direction was concerned. Yeah, I mean, for the most part. And, and think, I, but think about this. This was actually 
Oh, I want to get to our likes and dislikes. Let's get to one other thing here first. Let's just get this out of the way. I imagine that most people, in spite of all of the biographies out there floating around for Steve Jobs, don't actually know much about the man apart from his celebrity status and sure. his name and the fact that he was the CEO and he was supposedly eloquent and he was a jerk and that he wore you know, a black mock turtleneck. That's like what most people know and they forget the details or they never heard the details or they just simply don't care. Yeah. Well, now this is a movie. It is about your entertainment enjoyment. It is an opportunity to get a you know a little familiar with Jobs. And in two hours, maybe you go into this movie hoping to see this film, and in two hours, learn everything that you ought to know about Jobs apart from reading a biography that is six hundred pages long. And so maybe that's why you're going to watch this film. So or why you did. Because everybody who isn't an Android user has already watched this film. Okay, so here's the story. This is how I sum it up. I, I sat down and wrote this yesterday. This is the really condensed version of Steve Jobs' rise, fall, and return to Apple Computer, covering events from 1974 to 1998, with a peak at the year 2001. It starts with Steve announcing the iPod and flash forward from 2001, then goes back in time to show how Jobs went from hippie to businessman sensation. Along the way, we learn about his parents, closest business affairs, love affairs, and the intensity that Jobs brought to everything in his life. That's not a bad summary. Yeah, without giving any any details away. But yeah, I mean, that's what this film is all about. Except... You want to talk about dislikes or likes interchangeably? You want to bounce back and forth? What do you want to do? Uh, we can bounce back and forth, but the, I mean, the fir- very first thing we have to talk about, I mean, we, just, we have to talk about this um, okay. because it's the elephant in the room. You, you know exactly where we're going. There might be a whole like herd of elephants <laughs> in the room in this case. Go ahead. Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs. Mm, wrong herd. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, I... I it's, it was almost like, for the most part, I mean, and I, I'm very familiar with Steve Jobs I, I'm, as an Apple Watcher, as a Steve Jobs, you know, I, I don't like to call myself like a fanboy or anything. As but an I, Apple Watcher. I, I kept up with, I've, I've kept up over the years with things, all things Apple, and I, you know, there's videos that float around of Steve from his younger days of, the, of that period of time when, you know, he was young and Apple was a startup and, and these sorts of things. And I'm telling you that for the most part, uh-huh. You would really think that Ashton Kutcher was Steve Jobs. If you just saw a video of him, you know, as younger Steve Jobs, you would say, well, that is Steve Jobs. N- maybe I'm exaggerating just a little, but only just Uncanny. a little. I agree. I mean, it's amazing. He really not and, and not just in looks. He sounds like Steve Jobs. He his I mean, he really nailed the mannerisms for the most part. Um, and, and I can go into that when I get into my dislikes in a little bit. But he really nailed this character. I mean, I, you know, a lot of people have criticized the film. People, I you know, well, they picked somebody who looked like Steve Jobs, but he didn't do a good job acting like Steve Jobs. I disagree. Really? Fundamentally, yeah. I fundamentally disagree. Ashton Kutcher did an amazing job portraying Steve Jobs. Uh, what did I, an amazing job plan for <laughs> not jobs. <laughs> this is going to be really confusing. <laughs> he did amazingly well portraying Steve jobs. Now, which one are you again? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Merlin man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Inside joke there. <clears throat> uh, okay. Well, I, I totally agree. And I know who you're going to play in your movie. Um, and <laughs> Ashton, 
uh, I think a lot of people are being hypercritical of him. <laughs> 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 Sorry, this is so many inside jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened to the show? It's gone. It's done. <laughs> we need a bell. Shall we button it up? everybody's being hard on ashton because they they think that this is an ego trip they think anyone who had the nerve to be to play steve jobs to be the first one to play steve jobs after he passed away was basically given the you know just an impossible task. No one could possibly live up to everyone. No one could live up to the expectations from the people who were going to critique this film. Absolutely. I completely agree. Everybody says that Steve was a remarkable orator. Everyone says that he had a fantastic persona. He was so persuasive. He was so dynamic that he had a full range of emotion that he could walk on air and he could be your best friend and then your worst enemy in the same minute. And the thing is, he's legendary. Ashton Kutcher isn't legendary yet. Cut him some slack. And, and I'm sorry. I mean, even, uh, I mean, what do you want? Uh, Russell Crowe, he wouldn't be good enough. He's too fat. You know, so, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> I think, um, I, I agree with you. Ashton doesn't just look the part, but did you ever see the other movie that was made called Pirates of Silicon Valley? I haven't. That film was uh, also, you could say, a biopic in a way. It was more or less as accurate as this film, and it came out in the late 90s, and it was uh, for TV. And a lot of people said that it outdid most TV biopics, and it has a loyal fan base today. The actor that played Steve did a remarkable job, and I think he looked more like Steve than Ashton Kutcher was able to pull off, if you can believe that. Really? Yeah, and something about the film feels a little bit more characteristic of its era because it was closer to the events that unfolded Mm. in the 70s, the 80s, and 90s. It felt more true to its era. Whereas this film was trying to stylistically represent the 70s, the 80s, and 90s, and to make you think, oh yeah, that's what the that's what the 80s looked like, and they did a pretty good job. But if you had to compare this film to Pirates of the Silicon Valley, I think that you would appreciate how it feels a bit more authentic, and it probably made a better narrative because in that film they focused on the the war of the companies between Apple and Microsoft and primarily the characters of Bill Gates and you know Steve Jobs. They had other characters like Wozniak in it as well and some of it was interwoven with a like make-believe documentary interviews of characters <laughs> kind of like the office TV show while various you know uh, dr- dramatized scenes also unfolded in, in and out of these um, fake interviews with significant characters in the story. All in all, a great film, but something that I was really disappointed about in uh, parts of the Silicon Valley was the same problem we have with this movie. And that's very, I think it's ironic because most people don't criticize pirates for having the problem that this film had because it was made in the late nineties and it happened before the iPod, the iPhone and so many other cool things happened. Mm, Right. 
The problem with that film, like this one was, is that it had so much it could have addressed and it had only two hours to talk about it. Right. And so yeah. it convinced so much of what happened. And then because they were sharing the screen time with Bill Gates, they still nixed so much that could have been told about Apple and, uh, you know, cool things about Next as well. And, uh, but the thing was, at least in that film, they addressed Next and much more than they did in this film. And so the thing is, I, I think, TJ, I'm just going to put this out there. This is not in my likes or dislikes per se, but my number one interest in this film is that I felt like it did justice to what was covered. However, it feels so incomplete knowing the rest of Job's story that I would love to see a sequel, but I know it's never going to happen because the money is not there. Yeah, this, this film's not making any money. And, but let's just dream for 20 seconds. Imagine the sequel going back in time to address everything with Next and Pixar. Yeah, absolutely. That Pixar definitely so felt missing. Gratifying. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't mention that one in my review, but Pixar was definitely missing. Like that, that was a big part of what Steve did during his years away from Apple, is yeah. is getting Pixar going. And then he comes back to Apple, and he really, you know, he was kind of a guiding force behind Pixar, where you know he didn't guide the stories, but he certainly guided the company. And and that's one of the big successes of Steve's life that's not talked about that much because not, I mean, I, I'm not even sure how many people know that Steve Jobs like owned Pixar, like that was his company, that was his baby for a while. Uh, in, in addition to next, you know, and he actually was responsible for getting it going. He's responsible for the original Toy Story. He is responsible for letting John Lasseter run Pixar. Yes, <laughs> I mean George Lucas created a division of his own filmmaking empire, and it wound up being this thing that ultimately was Pixar, and it was ready to die. And then along came Steve Jobs. And with the perfect storm, John Lasseter, Lucas, and Steve talk about the future of this animation department. And Steve says, I believe in it. I want to get into motion pictures. I want to do this with you. I love your creativity, Jonathan Lasseter, whatever his name is. I, I, guess, I don't know if it's Jonathan Lasseter. John, he always goes by John, Jonathan. I think. Yeah. So it, it, so he, he give, gave him all the power. He buys the entire department off of George Lucas, a guy who didn't believe in its future. <laughs> Go figure. And... Yes, people. Some of your other favorite films, all thanks to Steve Jobs. And, and so, yes, it's incredible how much this film leaves out. It really is. And I think that's what you, the way you put it is a really good way to put it. What it addresses, it addresses well. I, I was, I was surprised at just how, I mean, and even like I don't have events and things memorized exactly, but I know the general flow and, and it felt like it was true to the essence of history. You know, it felt like what it told, it told well. Here, here's where my gripe comes in with this film though. Um, the core of modern computing is based on, for the most part, um, like, like OS 10, and I know there are probably a number of you who don't use OS 10, but I know given the state of Mac now, I know there are probably a good number of you listening to this podcast who do use OS 10. That's based on next step or open step, which was based on next step, which comes from Steve Jobs' com computer company, Next Computer, which Apple bought. And that's where OS 10 comes from. You know where iOS comes from? I know probably even more of you use iOS than use Mac OS. iOS comes from Next Step because it is a derivative of OS 10. So 
Yeah, it's it's a little bit, you know, kind of like, oh, who cares about the software? But at the same time, it's such a core of how Steve, like, like, like the because of where the story starts and ends, it feels like what they're saying is if Steve Jobs had been allowed to continue at Apple unrestrained, that Apple would have been a success sooner. Right. I, I don't think that's the case. I think Steve Jobs was just as bad for Apple as John Scully was in the early days. Agreed. And whatever happened between 1985 and 1996 made Steve right for Apple. And that's just completely glossed over in the film. That's it's, it's like I said, it's like like 12 or 15 It's a seconds. montage. Yeah. It's literally a montage. Like nothing is supposed to – nothing important is supposed to happen in a montage except that the guy and the girl get to know each other a little bit better. Right. A montage is just to show you not a lot's happening here but time's passing and we're going to go tell you a cool part of the story in a minute. And- I mean like the best montage I can think of offhand that wasn't involving a chick flick was the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire by Sam Raimi when – he gets his powers. He figures out he wants to be Spider-Man. He shoots some webs. He saves you know, some people. And then all of a sudden, it trails into a beautiful montage where he is uh, figuring out his super heroics and he's doing a good job. And you see him fighting crime, but just on the, the, you know, the small scale. Why, meanwhile, while you know, the whole world is you know, ooing and aahing over Spider-Man and what he's doing in New York City. I don't know how else you could convey that uh, you know, it, pertinent information um, more effectively than they did with that brief montage in that film. But when, yeah, like, like we're saying, TJ, <sighs> sigh, uh, you made a great point that this film falls the same way, though, that so many other biographical accounts of Steve have fallen. That yeah. Walter Isaacson's biography, same a thing. huge book, has the same problem. Yeah. And it's, I agree. It's not interesting to people, and I want to know more. You know, you've got in the notes here, uh, Job's marriage uh, is, is glossed over. Um, it's completely unmentioned. Um, making amends with Chris Ann and Lisa. Yeah, exactly. It's like, for you know, we see him denying that he has a daughter, and then, like, the montage, and then, like, all of a sudden, it's 11 years later, and he's about to take over Apple again, and he's waking Lisa up in, in, in on the couch. She's lying on the couch. He's waking her up for breakfast, and it's like, we never saw what happened. Like, you know, we want to know a little bit more about that. So, yeah, as much as I like the film, there are these glaring problems. Yeah. Well... Okay, well then let's talk a little bit more about what we did like. I mean, obviously that that was the that was the elephant herd in the room that I could think of. Yeah, I I really enjoyed, like I said, the stylization. Again, going back to compare it with Pirates of Silicon Valley, uh, in a different way. There's still a payoff by the way that they stylized the era of the '70s, the '80s, and the '90s in this film. I approve of how they represented those eras, and uh, grant you, there. You you brought up an issue with the soundtrack early on in the film. Did you feel like it was just a problem early on and then the soundtrack got on track? It, it later? stopped bothering me. I don't think the music ever got great, but at first it was terrible. Like what in the way? It didn't represent the 70s. It was edited very poorly, it, but I think it went on to be okay, but it just never went anywhere great. Interesting. See, I personally really enjoyed the soundtrack. It was one of the things I noticed while it was unfolding. I was like, hey, this was really cool. I'm digging this. 
Um, I mean, it's not like a, wow, this is so creative. Who did this? John Williams, get out. No, it wasn't like that. It was, it, it was just, I felt like it suited the biopic. Um, now is it, is it biopic or biopic? I've always said I've, biopic. I've heard, I've heard it both ways. Okay. Okay. It's free world. Okay, cool. Free country. You can say it. You can say it whatever wrong way you like. Free world. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, uh, my, okay. The number one, like I'd have for this film, I think it, it doesn't go without saying is that I left the movie invigorated and feeling a little bit like a kindred spirit with jobs in many ways. Sure. Like if you don't, if you're a creative guy and you watch this film and you go away feeling like meh, whatever, then you have no soul and you're not a creative. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, just get out of here, go home, you know, Go watch your, I don't know, whatever you watch. No, I agree. And that's one of the reasons why I've always... Get for, on your PC. For a long time, I've been a fan of Apple, is I'm a fan of well-designed products, of good artistic choices, of 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 well-thought-through things, of quality work. And, and that's what Steve represented, even though he did it poorly in the beginning. He came back and he did it right. And, uh, yeah, and I think that, you know, th- this... It kind of kind of goes along with with this, like the the things that you like about Steve are present there, and Ashton Kutcher captured them well. But what he also captured well was sort of the bad side of that too. Like you really cringe sometimes, as as you know, you you always knew that this stuff was there. I mean, I I certainly did, you know, knowing how things go. Um, that that Steve Jobs had this pretty dark side, you know, and and he did things that were unethical. He did things that were. Um, disturbing disturbing and um yeah and and those things are present too so i kind of i think i kind of jumped tracks there but it it was on my mind so (laughs) no it's 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 a you know free podcast um (laughs) the the other thing i was thinking about was our friend ben kaiser who was on the show once he uh he was in this movie he was, and I, and I don't think that there was enough of Ben. I didn't. I didn't get to see him. I'm, I missed him entirely. Yeah, I know he was right there. He was in a crowd. It was a Where's Waldo kind of, kind of moment, and it's like, no freeze frame. Give me the remote into this projector here. You know, mm, yeah. where's where's Ben? Couldn't find him. What did you Very think about sad. the guy they got to play Johnny Ive? That uh, and that's what I was leading into. See, I think Ben Kaiser was probably cast very well, but Johnny Ive. He wasn't very well cast. No, I I, I agree. I, I don't think he was that well cast. I, what is it? It's, Maybe it's, it's like the one casting choice that I I, I was like, really? Of are there the not enough people choices? from his country or his territory in the UK in the UK where they <laughs> could put on that kind of accent? And, you know, not many actors can put on that kind of accent. It was that maybe that was a problem. Maybe there just weren't many comparable, you know. Uh, actors you know, with that voice that voice talent you know you know the, like if, if they just gotten him to say aluminium i, I think <laughs> aluminium i think that, that it would have been better but as, as it stands it just didn't no i'm kidding it, it didn't work well <laughs> yeah johnny i've just so you know people is this uh guy who's a very very um artful creative engineer that's been responsible for the physical design of a lot of apple hardware since the late 90s he's he was uh, ultimately responsible for Things like the original iMac, those um, those translucent, tutti-frutti colored iMacs. Well, basically, and, anything and, you see coming out of Apple is designed by Johnny. 
Right. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of collaboration. It's it's not a one man show. No, um, but he 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 has the final say. Like if you if it comes from Apple for, since since Steve Jobs came back, if it's hardware and it comes out of Apple, Johnny Ive has said yay or nay. Right. And more recently, he's been taking over the software stuff, and we're seeing that with iOS seven. Yeah, and I don't think he's as nearly as good at, at software design. Well, we'll see. Debatable. We'll see. We did get a 2D, 3D iMac out of him. So. Yeah, that was not my favorite either. Maybe but this is just something that's got to run its course. Well, you know, maybe he'll get his, uh, you know, maybe the training wheels will, you know, mm. come off or whatever. Maybe. We'll see. Inside baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So the actor in the movie, he, he's represented in a couple of key moments with uh, kind of illustrating at the first moment that Steve found new camaraderie with anyone that was in Apple corporate. Like they showed that he hit it off well with some people in his youth, but ultimately all of those relationships fizzled out. So what I think the character of Johnny did in the film was to try and illustrate not just the wonderful person that Johnny was and to prove that jobs wasn't the only talented Apple, but it, it as it related to jobs to show that, uh, this was, this was a moment where Jobs started to respect other good talent in his midst, and and he had faith in someone who was very good, and so he gave that boy a chance. Yeah, so this guy, this young guy, a chance. Uh, so that's why it was in the film, I think, and I appreciated that moment. But like you, it felt like the actor playing John, uh, Johnny just he, he didn't have the. Um, we're not saying he was an incapable actor. We're just saying that he's not enough like Johnny in oh, no. real life. No, no, I'm saying he's an incapable actor. Oh. Okay. I, I felt like that he did not have any presence. And they kept cutting to him nodding as Steve was talking. And I'm like, is that the only thing he, this guy can do? I don't know. Yeah, I, I was I was not impressed. Not impressed with okay. that. And it's like it's the only poor casting choice, too, because like everybody else, you know, Mike Markula, uh, J.K. Simmons as Arthur Rock. Man, was he not great. <laughs> which I, I like jk simmons anyway he's awesome but mm. uh yeah so well you you want to give us the bottom line you want to talk about that now uh, we sure. got another movie to review i yeah, just we want do. to keep trucking along my my bottom line is the movie is well worth seeing uh, i liked it far better than i expected to at, at three and a half stars out of five um far better i i was, I was expecting it to be probably neutral to me because i expected the negatives and the positives to kind of balance each other out and i expected there to be more negative and you know as much as i gripe and complain about things I, the fact that the film dealt well with the material it chose to tell that 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 helps a lot yeah Agreed. And, and Ashton and, Kutcher, uh, man. <laughs> wow. Never thought I'd say that about him, but wow. Really? No. Hmm. You, you need to go back and watch the butterfly effect. All right, all right. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I'm giving yeah. it three and a half out of five stars as well. I, the fanboy in me, the Apple fanboy is probably inclined to watch it a bit more than a normal human being. And I, in my like personal favorites rating system, I'd give it a four out of five as an Apple fan. Right. Uh, it, but yeah, just uh, as a general audience sort of principled rating, I'd give it three and a half. And I'm saying that I liked the movie more than I expected, especially with side characters. That's something we didn't really talk about much, but that these side characters uh, represented, I felt, did a great job as well, in addition to Kucher, uh, who poured his heart and soul into this performance. Absolutely. I, I don't think it was just an ego trip. I actually no. think that, that you can see how much Kucher admired the man. You know, Steve was probably one of his heroes in life 
And obviously he has a great deal of respect for Steve. And I think it was just for him, it was an opportunity he couldn't pass up. Yeah. Like if you were told, Hey, you look a little bit like Steve jobs. Um, imagine that. And you're an actor. Wow. And you can afford to make a movie about him if you wanted to. Huh? What do you know? <laughs> you're not going to pass that opportunity up. No, not at all. Uh, so, uh, though Steve, this movie, uh, lacks many many details from the history accounts it does entertain and leaves you wanting more in a good way as long as you don't go into this film ready to pick it apart for its inaccuracies like a lot of people do with biopics and uh Biopic. the history yeah okay uh, mm. His- historical stories will always let you down in that department in the details for little inaccuracies so just consider this for its entertainment value apart from those and uh and don't look for modern cinematic gimmicks like you know what they show in the superhero films and whatnot this is not an action film this is a drama this is not a thriller this is a drama this is not a romance this isn't a cartoon this isn't an animated film there are no talking animals i'm sorry but i'm i'm just getting a little bit uh peeved with people that have a problem with watching drama in theater it seems like it's a it's a it's a genre by which all others are you know measured and yet it seems like in and of itself nobody wants to watch it anymore and i and i think it does okay as a drama just let it be people don't be hard on it it didn't need any more gimmicks or a bigger budget or better um whatever it's entertainment value is there either you liked it or you didn't like it and i liked it so yeah, there. Yeah, and how do you like them apples? No, I I completely agree. And and people, you're right. People are being really hard on, especially on Rotten Tomatoes. It's doing the worst on Rotten Tomatoes. Other other places, it's more neutral. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics are giving it a twenty five percent. The the audience is only at fifty two percent. IMDb, it's four five point four out of ten. It's like what 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 is there to hate that much about this movie? Like there I don't know. There are going to be many people that are going to love this film. I still think that that it stands that I mean, because I, I, I already know someone. It's my boss, this 40 uh, year old. He, he loves this, this film. He's inspired by this film. Yeah. And he couldn't stop talking about this film. Nice. So yeah. is he an Apple user? He is. Oh, but he's not, inspired he, see, Joe. That's what I was told <laughs> today. I was like, oh, you just like that film because you like Apple stuff. And I said, actually, no, I expected to hate it because I like Apple and Steve. And I, uh, that's the way most like, like, and I feel, I really feel and there's like, a lot of Apple users that are. Oh yeah. They're this. really hating on it. I, uh, I noticed John Gruber has been posting. He's a uh, famously a big Apple guy. He's been posting things negative about it. Um, uh, Dan Benjamin tweeted out the other day, one of my, he's been on the podcast before and he's one of my podcasting heroes anyway. And he's a big Apple guy. And he tweeted out that he hates did the film so I, you know i just don't get it like i really liked it and and not i don't think it's because i'm a apple guy like i think my enjoyment of the film is somewhat elevated by that but i think that for the most part that would have turned me more negatively than possibly because i would have been like oh well they didn't get that right they didn't get that right no i don't agree with that i don't think that's right and, and no i didn't feel that way at all so mm. anyway anything else i uh, know that wraps it up Job done. All right. Job done. <laughs> uh, you can't see. You just got to go for the puns. <laughs> did you watch? Why they always come to my mind. Did you watch Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters? I did. Like a good friend and a, what else? Uh, like a, a movie reviewer. I did. Yes. And so were there monsters in the sea? <sighs> yes, there were some monsters in that sea. All right. 
right, I guess that pretty much wraps that up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, did you did you see the did you see the first film? No, you. I did before I watched Percy Jackson see a monster. So this film really didn't make a lot of sense to you. Uh, no, it, it made sense. I okay. I caught on because my sister had filled me in on the storyline with, with the the books about a year ago. Or see, two. my wife had done the same thing because she was big into the books and she likes the movies. Really? And and so she had filled me in on the storyline of the first film. And yet by watching it, I got a lot more than I, I. And it was different from what I was expecting based on what she had told me. So I don't I don't know how you can have a full enjoyment or appreciation of this film without having seen the first one. Oh, man. That said, I'm uh, not sure how long this segment's going to be. I don't know how much I actually have to say about this film because it's not a lot. Well, can you just tell me one thing? Was the the guy who played Percy, was he the same actor as the one in the first film? I heard that he may not have been. Percy? Is, I, he looked the same to me. Let me, okay. let me double check. He probably was. See, I, I didn't bother to look it up. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson, and the, the main Olympians, guy. The Lightning Thief. Logan Lerman, yeah. Same guy. Okay, so uh, just as a quick explanation, people, if uh, you saw the trailers and you were wondering, this is basically if what this is what it feels like to me. It feels like it's uh, highly formulaic. It feels very close to the canon, mm. if to me, and it feels to me like uh, you mean like the the film feels like it's sticking too close to the book. Yeah, yeah, and and it feels to me as though the book itself were probably inspired by the overwhelming success of Harry Potter and Chronicles of Narnia historically. I, I think I would agree with that. And so, yeah, the, the author is just saying, hey, what does appeal, what appeals to young people? You will, you know, this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and throw in some magic and blah, 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 you know, and a little mythology. There you go. Voila, I've got Percy Jackson. Uh, and, and so it feels very formulaic in that sense to me. However, I, I believe that the novels are able to sell the story a lot better than the film can. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, one of the things that novels always have going for them is that, you know, if you are a reader and you get through a book, it means you're not lazy, really. And you have a bit of an imagination and you're okay with sticking to something and seeing it through. And you're not going to fall asleep in the middle and never pick it up again like you would with a movie or something like so many people do. They'll just fall asleep in the theater and they'll never bother to watch it again or to finish that film. Okay, so... The thing is, with the novelization, though, you get into characters' heads. You feel like you know what they were going through, and you connect with them on so many levels. The same problem arises with The Hunger Games. Everyone is saying that the first film doesn't compare well to the novel because one of the great enjoyments of the novel is you got into the character's head. Uh, And so the same thing would go for Percy Jackson. I think that that already has so much stacked against it. So in this story... Uh, okay, so this is what Rotten Tomatoes said. It's pretty impact with action. Unfortunately, Percy Jackson, this sequel movie called Sea of Monsters, is also waterlogged with characters and plots that can't help but feel derivative. I, I just I feel like that's a little overly um, harsh. I think it's overly harsh. I also don't think that they're talking about this film, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but I still have plenty of problems with this film. And But one problem I do not have with this film, TJ is that it was directed by Thor, and that's awesome. And so everybody should watch this movie just on, f- for that alone. Thor Thor Fr- directed this film. Frudenthal is the guy's name. I'd love to have the name Thor. I would love that. Do you realize how ironic that is? Uh, it's, it's kind of ironic, yeah, for sure. <laughs> wrong, I mean, wrong mythology, but you know. 
It is ironic. Now, this this film opened in theaters on August the seventh. It had a budget of ninety million, which is actually five million less than the first, but still feels like plenty to me for a, a film that's you know the first film. I don't think was that successful either. It opened. Are you ready for this? It opened. Are you sitting down? Are it opened to fourteen point four million on a budget of ninety million? That's not great. That's really, really bad. What were they thinking? Okay, what about the other Percy Jackson movie? The first, um, how did it do? That's a good question. I don't think it did great, but I think it did better than that. And quick on it, Percy. It's Percy. Oh, yeah, right. Right. You're, you're bugging me. Okay, Percy Jackson and the Olympians of the Lightning Thief. Okay, worldwide is $226 million. Uh, domestically, it only made $88 million. So it made all its money in the foreign, most of its money in foreign sales, $137.7 million in foreign sales. Uh, budget was $95 million. Ooh, and Sean Bean was Zeus. Okay, he, I'm watching that film. Yeah, oh, it was and a Pierce good Brosnan's film. in it. Yeah, Pierce, Pierce Brosnan plays the same role that in this film Anthony Stewart Head plays. And it has Rosario Dawson. Oh, okay. Yes, it did. Uh, she was a small part in the film, but yes, it did. Um, so this film also, though, most of its money thus far, uh, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. Oh, wait. Wait, did that get updated since I did the outline? Oh, no, no. Okay, never mind. Um, all right, so domestically, it's up to $41 million, and foreign is up to $36 million, This uh, this new film, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. Uh, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the first film didn't do gangbusters, but I, I I did well enough to deserve a sequel. And we'll see if this one gets there. I mean, obviously, the previous film did far better in foreign sales than it did domestically. Uh, the domestically, it didn't even get up to its budget. So hmm. we'll see if this film can do the same thing. And I would like for it, too, because I want them to go ahead and finish the series. But, but but speaking to what you were saying about it being a feeling like it's too formulaic and sticking cl- too close to the book, uh, the first two Harry Potter movies, and I, I'm maybe somewhat famously, I don't know if I've ever talked about it that much on the podcast, but uh, certainly amongst my peers, some of them are surprised that I would like Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. Mo- mostly, though, I love the books. The movies are okay. But the books, like I'm, I'm re-listening to all the audiobooks now. Actually, uh, I'm in the middle of the fourth book. Um, Harry Potter. Uh, Harry just finished the first task. He, he, he's in the Triwizard Tournament right now. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but, but, so Christopher Columbus, uh, a 1492 production. Isn't that an awesome name and an awesome name for a company? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Columbus directed uh, the first two Harry Potter films, and the same accusations, and not, not unfounded, have been leveled at the first two Harry Potter films that they were w- so formulaic, they stuck too closely to the books and didn't adapt themselves well to the screen because he was trying to, to be too faithful to the book material. And as a book purist, like that, that's somewhat hard for me to take, but I understand what they mean, and I almost even agree. Like, and, and so I feel like this may be a failing of Chris Columbus, who directed the first film and who produced the second film. Um, and so I feel like maybe that's the same sort of thing. Like He is probably a big fan of the books, and so he feels like he has to stick very closely to the books and, and see, as a fan of the books uh, in terms of Harry Potter, I feel like I would be probably a really bad person to try to adapt these films to screen because I would probably stick too close to the books because, like, as far as I'm concerned, the books are pretty perfect. Why would I change their story? Um, and and it, But they're books. They're not made to be on screen. And I think the same thing may be going on here. That said, I you know, these films are nothing spectacular, but I really enjoyed both of them because I love these sorts of fantasy films. Okay, your turn. Um, well, okay. Well, let me just uh, briefly describe the storyline. Uh, this is what it says in Rotten Tomatoes, and they're not doing this storyline very much justice. They say, Percy Jackson, the son of Poseidon, uh, continues his epic journey to fulfill his destiny as he teams with his demigod friends to retrieve the Golden Fleece, which has the power to save their home and training ground, Camp Half-Blood. 
that's only like half of the story and <laughs> yeah. the story, that's not even what the story is about. Retrieving the golden fleece makes it sound like, Oh, they were, you know, looking for the Holy grail and they came across <laughs> Indiana Jones. No, it's yeah, not that's like kind of what it was about. Well, young Indiana Jones was in the background. I think I saw him once, but if they had just stopped the movie and moved in that direction, then that would have made it a whole lot better. I guess <laughs> I didn't though. So the thing is, uh, it, what it all boils down to is that uh, there's these four kids that were demigods that were running through the woods one day trying to escape some horrible monsters and one of them sacrificed her life so that the other three could survive and make it to safety. Then uh, a, a god god, not a demigod, saved that girl's life by turning into a tree that, that had magical powers. Her, that would be her father Zeus, by the way. Oh, okay, yeah, Sean Played Bean. Played by Sean Bean. Yeah, you know, who is Sean Bean? Um, I have a lot of faith in that. And uh, <laughs> so then this tree creates a force field that wraps around the uh, Camp Half-Blood, which protects all these uh, demigods and their tutors. And then years and years and years later, that you know force field has been holding up for a long, long, long time. And then this uh, real nuisance of a, ha- of a demigod uh, who is uh, called Luke in this story, uh, he decides he's going to wreck everybody's life there at Camp Half-Blood for no really good reason. It's so oxymoronic, but this kid is obviously on all of the wrong kinds of drugs and uh, whatever the <laughs> demigods take. And the guy comes off with this notion that he's going to uh, get back at his father by making matters worse than they already are for everyone. And for some reason, he thinks the way to do this is to uh, bring yeah. back to life one of the worst gods of all time then, from ancient history. Hang on, hang on, get this, get this. He wants to bring back the god who's known for eating his children and yes. grandchildren. And he's one of the grandchildren, and he's going to bring him back to life. <laughs> exactly. And somehow he, th- he thinks that his loyalty, bringing back this old monster of an old god who ate his children and grandchildren, is going to work. Uh, yeah, no, Luke's pretty stupid. I mean, and that's kind of one of the things in the books, too, is he's – you know, and they, they – I mean, in the first film and in the first book, I guess, they set up why Luke is so mad and angry and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, but, but to some extent, he is just sort of the villain, and that's just the way it is. Mm. Okay, well, I, I, I'll just go ahead and dive ankle deep into my dislikes. Uh, the villains were incredibly weak and simple-minded for the scale of this fantasy. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. Now, I, I, I like you. You clarify the books are probably better material. Yeah, that. my wife sure likes them, and she's you know she got me into the Harry Potter series. So, mm. and, and then yeah. actors were re- uh, okay to me. The actors were just reading their lines. That's what it sounded like. No, I don't agree with that. Nothing about their performances was better than the second Harry Potter film. No, I don't. Just, agree, I don't agree with that at all. Although I don't know, I agree that the, Harry, the second Harry Potter film was that bad. But well, especially poor was the actor playing Percy. No, so man, I thought he was great. Generic. He's so no, generic. No, his Cyclops, Cyclops brother had more acting talent than he did. I and he only had one. Completely disagree. With and that. it was computer animated. I completely disagree with that. <sighs> I, I thought that that Tyson, uh, the the Cyclops, uh, per, perhaps could have been better acted. But I thought that Logan Lerman did a fine job as Percy. I, I quite enjoyed him. Mm. But but do you know? Speaking of, of enjoying characters, you know who I enjoyed the most. And and normally I would say when Stanley Tucci's in a film, he's going to be the character I enjoy the most. And I did enjoy him, but he wasn't in the film as much as he could have been. And no, he's not my favorite in this film. And he only has just a, uh, one quick spot on the screen. But you can guess 
Just take a guess. He's not in the film for long. They go to see him. Oh yeah, <laughs> Nathan Fillion. Yeah, Nathan Fillion, and and That's he nice. has a line that I absolutely love. I don't even remember what TV show they were talking about, but he says, "Oh, it's only the best show on." So naturally, canceled. <laughs> he must have gotten into this film just. For oh that. yes, yes, loved it, loved it. Um, he was not the only Buffy alum either. Uh, Anthony Stewart Head plays uh, Chiron. Chiron. I don't remember how you say that. Um, and, uh, he took over for Pierce Brosnan from the previous film. Pierce Brosnan did a fine job. I, I may have liked Anthony Stewart head as this character a little bit more, but that's just because so, okay, again, so, he's, the, so the Pierce Brosnan character is the same character in both films, but played by different actors. Correct. The, uh, I don't know was, whether they so it was get, Pierce the, uh, like the centaur. Was yes. that what he was? Yeah, he was a centaur. No freaking way. Yep, he Pierce was. Boston centaur, I'm watching that film just for that. He was fine, but, you know, I think maybe I have a little bit more love for Anthony Stewart Head just because he's a Buffy alum. Uh, so well, he, what happened he was, to Pierce Brosnan? Why wasn't he in this film? I My guess is, I was talking to Rachel about this. We both went and saw the film, and I was talking to my wife about this on the way home, and I think perhaps maybe they were able to score Pierce Brosnan for the previous film, but he said, I'm not signing any contract. That says I have to be in the next one, and they're like, we don't care. We got Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> And, oh, uh, yeah, I can see and, that. And so he didn't come back for the second one, and that was the way it was, and so they got Anthony Stewart Head instead. Uh, so. and, and you said that you felt better about Anthony Stewart Head. I don't know. I like Pierce Brosnan just fine. I, I think that the reason I liked Anthony Stewart Head as well or better is just because I'm a huge fan of Buffy. He was in Buffy. He was the watcher. Oh, Giles. Really? Yeah, yeah. He he was huh. Buffy's watcher. And he huh. I, I, loved, I loved him. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Stan, uh, Nathan Fillion and, and Anthony Head, both uh, from Buffy. Mm. Okay, so uh, one other dislike, and then I'll mention the one like I can think of, uh, honestly, the one and only. So first, uh, the dislike. I personally, uh, apart from what you just mentioned of the good dialogue with uh, Fillion, I, I felt like everything they did in the dialogue was just long-winded and you know jaw-jaw-jawing. And it, it didn't contribute much to the story. It was very superfluous, um, even uh, like recycled from so many other films. Uh, whatever. And I, I, I found I found nothing. Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to be in this time. Uh, that, that there was just nothing going for the dialogue throughout most of the film. There was this. Uh, okay, I have one other dislike. Who was that girl who was given charge of the quest? At first, Clarice, 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 horrible personification, uh, didn't like her at all. Well, you weren't supposed to like her. And she just so, okay, again, it was so canned. She is the bad girl at the camp who is rough and way too competitive and wants to win at everything and basically does and gets what she wants because she fights for it so daggum hard. So then she's put in charge of this quest to go get the golden fleece and she botches it all up. And if it weren't for Percy, then she'd have been dead and she would yeah. have killed all of her crew. Agreed. And I know. then a, a little while later, uh, she has this uh, heart change, but there's a segment where going on during the epic battle at the end apparently Percy is like the only guy who has the nerve to do anything. They've all had, you know, been uh, chained up and Percy and then his uh, sidekicks all managed to escape from their bonds. And then Percy goes and tries to save the world. 
and kill the wicked big demi god and you know and then the god and stuff like that and fights with the sword and it, it all boils down to percy does everything and that big old bad girl clarice she she is there for the entire thing but she does nothing when she's off camera she she harmed no villain she did nothing to try and help the situation she was there but she did nothing. And then when she's on camera, she's doing something and it's, it, she contributed very little. I think, then, but I think that's the way it's supposed to be though. Like that's her what? character. Yeah. <sighs> I thought it was fine. And so then uh, very formulaically <laughs> and very predictably from the very first scene to the very last, she patches it up with Percy at the end. And again, I just, I was like, wow, this is so unsubstantive. It's not funny. Because it because it's been done so many times before, and it I was so, it was just so poorly executed. Like the only reason that it even mattered was that they were rivals in games, and they had turned life and their quest, a very serious one about saving many people's lives, into an epic game between the two of them. Percy gets over it first, and then she follows suit. But then it's still clear that somehow the girl still gets a lot of the glory at the end of the day. And that's okay that somehow uh, she still, she failed in so many ways, but she still steals so much of the credit and that's okay. And she's still a better person for it. And she's still getting along with Percy at the end, in spite of the fact that she's taking credit for things that she didn't do. It's just really weird. Okay, whatever. I mean, I, I don't have a lot to rebut you with because I don't completely disagree, but yet I did just didn't find it that annoying. And I enjoyed the film as as a uh, as a fantasy film, and, and you know, my comparison with Harry Potter is not trying to put it on the same level as Harry Potter. I think you would probably agree that Harry Potter is a far better series, much deeper, much as, uh, as a movie, definitely movie series. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just I, I, I cannot really gauge the books because I've only read the first Harry Potter. Ugh, what is wrong with you? The, you need to <clears throat> borrow <clears throat> my audiobooks. Um, we'll see if we can make that. <clears throat> Yeah, um, not technically supposed to do that. Um, but no, I mean, seriously, like the books are very um, deep and substantive, believe it or not. I, I find huh. them very good. Like if you've only read the first book, you're really missing out because it's really the most – I mean because it, it really – it starts out with a very young audience and then kind of grows as the audience grows. So it feels very much like a children's book. But the last book in the series is so far from a children's book. So it kind the series kind of grows. So – and now we're now we're, we've moved on to everything. All fantasy leads Harry Potter, right? <laughs> yeah, and we should talk about Harry Potter someday. We should. We really should. We should have you on to do that. Mm. I mean, you're welcome to come back on the show anytime you want. Okay. If I, if I don't know, this might be it. This might be the end. This might be the very last show I'm ever on. Period. It could be, but I doubt it. <laughs> it could be. You can't stay away. You Forget about my away. other podcast that I produce once a month that I'm recording next Wednesday. <clears throat> um, oh, are you recording uh, Movieology next Wednesday? Yeah. Cool. You guys have an idea. Cool. We're going to talk about it. Awesome. Very good. Well, hey, let's let's go ahead and move towards wrapping this up because I really, you know, as much as I enjoyed the film, it, it's like it's one of those films that's like it's not awesome and so you don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah. But it wasn't – for me, it wasn't like a negative either. So I, I, I don't have anything to say either way. So you, but you're you're still giving it three and a half stars or is that just a mistake? No, no. I enjoyed it. I give you're it giving it as many stars as you give just, just to the job. Wow. What? Yes, Why? I am. Because I probably actually enjoyed this film even a little more. Okay, I, cause, give cause, me. Okay, if you if you want to try and convince me that it deserved that much star cred, then give me one more major like about this film that helps it to stand out. Because we've talked a lot about our dislikes. Give me something. Because I, I didn't even get to the one like I had. 
which was how great the special effects were. All things considered, this, the special effects were as good as any Marvel movie. Um, particularly, I would even say comparable to some, you know, for the most part, the Iron Man films and the Avengers. Uh, and, and as far as the co- production qualities are concerned there, I was impressed. Because they were trying to sell you on a lot of creatures, a lot of uh, like uh, demigod characteristics, you know, like weird physical features, um, a fawn, a guy, a black guy with a fawn legs and horns on his head. Um, then, you know, and it was impressive how well they were able to sell things like that and the centaur. So anyway, I appreciated the visual effects, those yeah. animated effects. They looked very lifelike, better than many of the Harry Potter films, even the earlier ones. Well, yeah, I mean, they were made much earlier, so you would expect yeah. that. No, I mean, I just I, did, I, I liked uh, Percy Jackson's growth as a character, which was continued from the previous film, um, and his, uh, you know, he he didn't have he wasn't doing it for the glory. He didn't have to have the glory. He let Clarice have it. Although, arguably, you know that that is an irritation, but I don't think that's like a negative point against the film because I think that's the way you're supposed to feel about it. So you know, and and yeah, I did like that the uh, the twist. I I really. Um, I, I didn't think about – maybe this is a failing on my part. I didn't think about the magic fleece actually reviving the girl. I mean I I, I was thinking at one point, okay, really, you know, yeah, I realize this character just died, but they have the fleece now. <laughs> so, um, no, that's that's okay. But the one thing that, that, that did surprise me, I, I mean that, that was – I thought that was pretty good. I would agree. There was a sense at which I I felt like it was an option. I realized when they brought the fleece back to the tree girl that she would either revive as a tree or because she was originally carnated as a human being, she would return to that. It was an option there and it would give it some excuse to explore a, a new plot development for a feature film. So part of me had that lingering in the back of my mind, but I wasn't disappointed when it happened anyway. Uh, It actually was more interesting to me that the girl be a girl rather than a tree. Um, yeah, for sure, an entire sure. movie. Sure. Um, imagine if you know Darth Vader was in the Empire Strikes Back, just sitting in his inner chamber of a you know star destroyer for the entire film and didn't talk and just sat in there and meditated the entire film. And then at the end of the film, the big momentous moment was that Darth Vader took a great big deep breath and for the first time you heard him breathe the entire film and he stood up. <sighs> yeah, and that was like. That that that's like how you know this kind of came across in this film. Like, oh wow, yay, the girl's alive and she's up. <gasps> and she's been asleep for how long? Does she have anything worth telling us? 20, Has she had any life experiences? Years. Is there anything new that she knows? No, she's just a, a dumb girl who hasn't lived life. Go on, people. She has nothing else to do here. <laughs> Whatever. You're heart- you're heartless. <laughs> Well, anyway, I give that film, film as you've already spoiled my uh, star rating. I gave it three and a half out of five stars. I think it's 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 fine film. I, I'll forgive you, TJ. We can still be friends. You, on the other hand, are giving it a measly one and a half stars because you're you have no soul, as we've already established on this podcast before. Yeah, I have no intent of watching this film, revisiting this film, uh, saying anything else positive about this film. Well, at least watch the first film, and I feel like you would have enjoyed this film better had you watched the first film. Okay, I'll get. I'll give it that opportunity. Okay, and maybe one day I'll watch it with the kids or something. I'm not saying that you know it wouldn't work for some people on a certain level. 
not trying to say anything there, but uh, yeah, that uh, you know, it's it's good to be good for the kids. I think maybe they would enjoy it. I'll try not to take your insults personally. I'm not trying to make them personal, but we can if that makes you feel better. It does. It always makes me feel better. Okay. All right. Well, next week, uh, Chad should be back, and we'll be reviewing the Mortal Instruments City of Bones. And, uh, you know, it's another one of those fantasy things that I'm kind of looking forward to, and I hope it's as good as uh, Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters. You you would probably hope, Joe, if you were going to be on, you would probably hope that it was better, but you're not going to be on, so you don't care. Cough, <clears throat> suffocation, dying here. Uh, I'm freaking out. Okay. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, whatever. <laughs> So yeah, next week uh, Chad should be back. He's uh, he'll have started college. I guess he probably started this week, if I understood correctly. And he's you know trying to get get Sweet. the work, workload under control. And you know those kids, cool. they feel like they have to go do all this college stuff. And, I don't know, prepare for life or something. I don't know. Good for him. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Why? Why? Uh, yeah. Why on earth would he want to do that? Never mind. I don't know. So Joe, uh, people now that they've heard you again, they're reminded that they might need to, that might want to follow your work and stuff online. And crazy as that may sound, since you've you've so obviously missed the importance of this wonderful film, uh, but if they wanted to keep up with you, and crazy as that may sound, where would they do that at? Um, I'm available in a few places. Um, catch me on Twitter. I'm Joseph Darnell there. I'm also on app.net, but I guess nobody ever pays attention to Who that cares? anymore. I, I, yuck. It's a very sad twist of, you know, fate. I hope I hope the best of luck for them. Hopefully they can make a comeback. Whatever. And then uh there's Facebook. I'm Joseph Darnell on Facebook. Um I also go by Joe Darnell some places. So just look for my likeness and follow follow my likeness. If or or sometimes my... a rabbit with antlers. Yes. Yeah, so if you want to catch me on my website, I have Joe Darnell, but that just takes you to my about page so that you can find my other links. So if you want to find my site where I write things on occasion, uh frequently, occasionally. Is uh, jivingjackalope.net. Jivingjackalope.net. There you and go. And I'm very proud of that name. So don't mess with the name. As fast as fast can be. <clears throat> you, uh, but you, we've already established that you've never watched that. So never mind. <laughs> that was the. You, you seriously, like, you. you remind me, what is that from? I saw America's I never Funniest watch it. People. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, and there, there was I a jackalope. I used to watch that all the time. Yeah, and, and oh, you, you don't yeah. remember the jackalope? <laughs> Dude, I plum forgot about that. <laughs> All right, if you want to follow me, you can do that on Twitter at uh, uh, twitter.com slash tjdraperpro. If you want to keep up with my writing, you can do that at moviebyte.com. Um, and if you want to uh, catch the episode, uh, show notes for this episode, things like that, you can do that at uh, moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 57, because this is our 57th episode. Um, if you want to uh, give us a good uh, rating and review on the iTunes uh, store, you can just look up Movie Byte, and uh, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating. We'd take six stars if you could give us that many, but you're only allowed to give us five stars. We will not take less than that. So make sure you go to iTunes and give us a rating and review. That helps people find the podcast and will help us to grow. And that's it. That's all we have for this week. Uh, have a great rest of the week, and uh, we'll be back with you next week. 